To another episode of the Save the Such podcast. I'm Cliff Anderson. Yo, 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 it's your boy Trayvon Stewart. Tariq Coley, we in here. We in here. We are super excited. We're excited for everybody that's joining us tonight. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you shared it. I hope you comment on our uh, social media pages. And like always, if you like to get in touch with us for whatever reason, you can DM us or message us on Facebook. And you can find us both on IG and Facebook at Saved and Such. That's S-A-V-E-D, the letter N-S-U-C-H. We're excited about today's episode because we got something special today. Man, today we're talking about legacy, you know what I mean? And just We're going to dive deep into the subject. And uh, I had to reach out to a brother of mine, somebody I call family, Dejon Nugget Warren, who just made probably the biggest move ever. You know what I mean? He just made history. He was everywhere, all over ESPN, Sports Center, Twitter, Lil Wayne shot. Lil Wayne. So, you know what I mean? I'm excited to have him on the show. You there, bro? Yeah, I'm here, bro. How you been? I'm, been, I'm good, bro. How are you? I've been good. Living life. Yes, sir. Living life. That's what's up, man. Uh, like we said, we're talking about legacy today, and that's, that's important. Uh, <laughs> this guy, bro. <laughs> Y'all can't see our background, but it's funny. Um, so we gonna jump right into it, man. Um, so we got the first first question. All right, bro. So I know you PG County Zone, Landover, Maryland. You know what I yes, mean? Yes, sir. Landover. Yes, sir. So uh, just tell us a little bit how, like, you know, Landover helped shape you, help PG County help make you the person you are today. Uh, well, coming up in Landover, I used to live right by the by the um racing state and right on Sheriff Road. So I was probably one of the youngest people in my area. So I came up with a lot of older people. So when I was young, I used to see a lot of older kids, a lot of teenagers at the time playing football. So, you know, I wanted to give it a try. Mm -hmm. So we used to be outside playing football. I was probably one of the youngest people. And, you know, just by being young and seeing older people maneuver and stuff, it really opened up my eyes to a lot of things. Like at a young age, I seen a lot of stuff, whether it's positive or negative, and it really helped shape me into the person I am today. Right. To be honest with you, that's facts, bro. That's what's good, bro. That's big facts. So we all know you got that dog up in you, done. Uh huh. So uh, I got the second question. It's uh, what is the biggest obstacles of being an African American athlete in in the spotlight? To be honest, being being a big athlete in the spotlight, one of the main things I still have issues with today is probably I say being profiled. Because everybody, everybody don't see the the college student or the athlete. They just see the black man with tattoos. Facts, and that's facts, like one of the biggest targets I still got on my back to this day. But it's just something I'm still learning how to maneuver around. And you know, I'm I'm still young. I'm just 21. And by me being in the spotlight, you know, I, I really gotta stay out the way to be honest. Right. Facts. That's real, bro. Uh, as being an athlete, do you have any other athletes you looked up to to uh, understand how to maneuver as a black athlete? Oh, yes. A few players I looked up to, I looked up to a guy named Nick Nelson. At the time, when I went to high school, he was probably the biggest player coming out of Suma. And he had left from, after he graduated, he went to the University of Hawaii. Then he went to the University of Wisconsin. And now he signed with the Oakland Raiders. He had got picked, I believe, in the fourth round, if I'm not mistaken. And that's one That's one guy I really looked up to because he was the closest thing to me. You feel me? Like, he was 
we was going through the same thing. We went to the same high school. And, you know, to see him achieve his dreams and reach greatness, it was just a pleasure. So I just tried to match his energy. That's real, bro. I mean, oftentimes, growing up black, we see so many people that try and try and try. But it ain't too many people that actually succeed. So that's dope that you had somebody that uh, you can model your strive and your greatness after. And uh, with that being said, since we're talking about legacy, Let's talk about the move, bro. Yeah, definitely. Let's yeah, definitely talk, talk about, about the move. <laughs> um, yes, sir. So I don't want to tell your truth. So tell us what you did and what led you to make that decision. All right. So the first thing that really made me think about the decision was the opportunity. Mm. You know, I had a lot of offers from various places, but the first thing I thought about was, you know, since I played corner, who I want to be coached by. So right after I committed on my birthday, probably like a few weeks to a month later, I found out Deion Sanders got a job, you know, as a head coach. So once he reached out to me, like my whole life, like my whole, my whole, my whole mood changed from Georgia. You feel me? Because it's like, I understand they, the SEC, they on a the big platform, but right. to really think about it, I, I really need to be coached. And it's no, it's no better way than being coached by, by the best to ever do it. Fast, fast. <laughs> It was a coaching situation, and as far as the seasons go, I know that they play a season in the spring and a season in the fall. Now, I just turned 21, and when I was younger, my goal was to be in the league by 21. So I know if they play two seasons and two semesters, I can I can kill two birds with one stone. There you go. Because if I was to go to, like, you know, a, a, a big school, power five school, if I can't make things work in one year, I would have to wait another year. So... Like I said, two seasons and two semesters. I don't get no better than that. And I found out that my defensive coordinator is the guy that won the Super Bowl for the Baltimore Ravens. He was their defensive coordinator. So the coach, yeah. The uh, defensive coordinator, they got like 45 years of experience, right? Yes, sir. Indeed. That's crazy, bro. You're from Maryland. About to be coached by primetime. Gold chain choker primetime. And then your defensive coordinator play for the Ravens. That's dope. Yeah, nah, he was a defensive coordinator for oh, the Ravens. Dennis Thurman. So once I found out, like, I got all the – I got NFL coaching at the college level, so it don't get no better than that. That's full circle right there. Hey, bro. Another thing I thought about as far as the HBCU movement was a lot of HBCUs, they don't really recruit full five-star players. Right. So for them to actually give me a chance, I, I really couldn't let it go. That's facts, bro. I really couldn't let it go. Hey, bro, I got a question for you. Uh, by you being so young, how how many uh, how much did you watch Deion Sanders growing up, for real? To be honest, most people might not even believe this, but, like, growing up, I really didn't even watch too much sports. Like, it's still a lot to football that I really don't know, like, the terminology. Like, somebody can – like, I didn't even know what a three technique was, and I just learned that probably a few weeks ago. So it's just so much to the game, I, I really didn't know. So I think off of me, you know, I always heard about Dion, you know, by him being everybody's favorite player. I actually sat down and I watched his highlight tape, but I understand why everybody really looked up to that man. Dion Sanders, bro. Yeah. It's, That's crazy, right? bro. Look, look, I don't know if Reed told you, but I'm 35. So I remember watching games with Dion Sanders. It's, it's Dion Sanders, bro. Look, I'm trying yeah, to be you probably, you probably mess around, give him a hug yeah, if you see him. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I shed a little tear, bro. It's Deion Sanders. Can bro. I get your autograph? Right. You know what he Yeah, mean. like after my first conversation with him, I ain't gonna lie, I didn't expect it to go as smooth as it was. Like he's really a cool dude. Nice. Like I expected the most Hollywood bougiest person ever, but he's really a, a down low to earth person. Like right. I, What was it like? Man. What was it like meeting his sons? What's his uh, sons like? 
No, his songs are cool. Like they some funny people. Mm-hmm. Shiloh, Shador, and Deion, and Deion Sanders Jr. They all some really cool people. I met them all on Facetime. I ain't get to meet them in person yet, but right. you know, just having conversations with, with them, like the vibes is there. Gotcha. Like it's nothing that I ever expected. You feel me? Like seeing them on TV, watching them growing up on like Netflix and stuff like that. Cause you know they had shows. Right. I just ain't expected to be like that. Like we we all built connections and bonds over the phone. That's crazy. Shout out to COVID. Now, yeah, shout out to COVID. Like, they can call me anytime of the night, and I can call them anytime of the night, and I know that they're going to answer. We will all, you know, pick up the phone with good vibes and last. That's love right there. Now, we're going we're gonna to take it back, you know what I mean, to, like, how we met. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't know what it means and how it feels to go through that JUCO, that junior college experience. You know what I mean? A lot of people started, but everybody don't really finish it. So just talk to us about, you know what I mean, how coming into Lackawanna and the mindset you had to have daily and how it like helped mold you to who you are today going into Jackson State. Okay, coming into Lackawanna, I say Rick was probably one of the first few people I met there. Right. And the way how we met, we found out we was both from Maryland and he had went to Baltimore. And little did we know we played against each other one time. Right. Didn't even know that was so, great. <laughs> Yeah, that's that was one of the most craziest things. So like once once we you know linked up and he kind of helped me maneuver around the school because he I think was you there semester before me or was that right. your first semester? Yeah, I was there before you. Yeah, you was there before me. So like you helped show me show me the ropes right. and you know ever since then everything been cool. But the mindset we I have coming into JUCO is you know it's cool to make friends, it's cool to build bonds, but at the end of the day you still gotta go. Facts, right. Like, when I went there, I promise you, like, I never had my own room before ever a day in my life. You feel me? So, when I got there, I had to share a room with two other men. So, it's three people to a room, and the room is open. Like, we and that joint hanging sheets down from the center for privacy. <laughs> bro, I like, don't understand, bro. Like, I don't understand. Like, it's three floors to McKinney Hall, and each floor got one bathroom. So, imagine sharing a bathroom with over 20 people on the floor. Mind you, three people to a room, and there's a lot of rooms on every floor. And, and you got to share bathrooms, you got to share showers, like, you got to share everything. And our weight room is in the basement. Like, being inside, Juco, it's really eye-opening, bro. Like, you'll realize some people really can't live on their own, but one thing I really could say about that school is you build unbreakable bonds. And that's because right. we ain't have nothing to do out there. All we had was each other. Right. So when people talk about the JUCO struggle and the JUCO relationships that's built throughout JUCO, it's not a lie. Like, we go through some crazy things out there. We've seen some crazy things, and we experienced some crazy things as, as like, as a group, too. Like, it was my first time in Pennsylvania. Like, you never think you'll be in Scranton, Pennsylvania, in the mountains. You feel me? That's facts, bro. It's, you're going from the DMV to the mountains. It's a very big culture shock. Very. So I say, like, it was a great humbling experience for me, and I'd do it all over again if I had to. Since you mentioned the culture shock, what you thought was the biggest culture shock once you got to Pennsylvania? I never knew people outside of Maryland, to be honest with you. And a lot of people was from New Jersey and New York. There ain't no places like that, Connecticut and stuff. So I say, like, getting used to how people react to different things. Like, everybody lingo is different. Everybody takes things differently. So... You just got to learn how to adapt to your surroundings. And also, it was a predominantly white school, I see. Most of these African-Americans was the people on the football team, the basketball team, or the soccer team. So it's like you're not seeing a lot of people that look like you. And everybody might not look at you as what you are, because some people don't really like athletes. That's true. 
Facts. Listen, man, I just got one question for you. When you and Reek Nation went head to head, man, who got the dub, man? That's what I want to know. That's the real question. <laughs> who got right, the dub? I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie, y'all. They got the dub, Jeez. and one of their players tried to kill me when I tried to return the kick. And it was unfair to me. It was only unfair because my cleat broke right before the game. Like, I, I had to tape them up. But I did get one of his players back. I don't know who it is, but somebody caught a mean block from me. And I feel good after that. <laughs> Look, I feel good after that. It might have been Rick. You just didn't know it. Hey, it could have been Rick. It is all love to you, man. Thanks, thanks, bro. Now, brother, I, I, now me and you, we definitely had a couple conversations for real. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I know it's, like, the type of bond that you got with your mother. So just tell us a little bit about, you know what I mean, what all this means. You know what I mean? Just you just... Excelling in life and just, you know what I mean, making her proud daily. Alright, cool. Alright, I'm gonna be honest, most people don't really know this, but coming up, me and my mom, we really didn't have a good bond because, you know, she was a single parent and my father really wasn't in the picture as he should. So it was just hard for me to, you know, go through puberty, you know, without my dad being there. So like as I was getting older, our bond got closer and ever since I've been to college, we've been working on it, we've been working on our bond. And like now our bond is unbreakable. So it's like the things we've been through before then, it kind of like helped us become become even closer because we know what we used to go through. That's real right there. Uh, man, you, like, only, you only get one mom, yeah. At first, you, one mom. you know, I really just had to like, understand, like as I got older, I had to understand and learn why she did certain things she did, you know, just for just for me and my younger brothers. And I actually, I really respect the things that she did go through because I kind of did put her through a lot. And to actually see her feel good, to see her smile and know that her, her baby's going through college and he's prevailing in life, it's a really great feeling. And, you know, I'm just trying to pave the way for my for my younger brothers as well and be a better example for them. Because, you know, everybody ain't perfect, but just to know I'm doing something good and it's actually putting a smile on their faces, it's a great feeling. That's real, man. It's all about progression. Yeah, man. I'm still I lied to you now. We used to go, we used to go at it when I was young. We ain't never fighting nothing, but, you know, it's just, your son going through puberty, your mom don't really know how to do it on her own type thing, but it's all starting to work out for real, for real. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, shout man. out to the moms. Man, did yeah, you, shout did, out to the mothers. <laughs> did y'all see what uh, Diddy did for his uh, for his mom for real for the 80th birthday party? Yeah, that was tough. One mil and a Bentley. We yeah, all want to get to that point in life, man. A million dollars and a Bentley for he her 80th birthday, check. man. For real. I mean, that is his mama. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah. That is his mama. Facts. Listen, bro. I got a, I got a question for you. Um, can you uh, pinpoint one moment in your life where you knew you was uh, destined for uh, this football football life? Yeah, I say it was it was probably before my first football practice back because, like I said, I don't, I'm not sure if y'all knew, but when I first came to JUCO, it was my first time playing in three years. And I say Jeez. I knew it was destined for me because I was listening to music right before the first practice, and I cried a little bit. And when I put on my helmet, it's like all my problems went away. So right before that moment, it's like I found the love for the game. I found my love for the game again. That's real. And man. I just, I just been seeing red ever since. Oh man, people look at like like being an athlete, going to the gym, doing sports is like almost like a stress reliever for real. Like it it, it separates the your your, your uh, life that you have gone it separates you and just takes you to a whole nother zone for real because you don't even got to think about that you just got to think about you football and putting everything and putting everything on the line for real man <clears throat> that's real bro and hold on to that moment bro because when the, the times get tough that's the moment you go back to yeah one thing i had to realize is this too like 
you can't rush greatness. You gotta let greatness Facts. come to you. Some people they try to, you know, do too much just to try to be great. In reality, you just gotta let the things come to you sometimes. You can't always go through it. And once you realize that you'll stress less and you'll just have more fun while you're achieving your goals. That's facts, bro. You gotta let it simmer. You gotta let it simmer and burp whatever happens, man. That's good stuff. Yo, was there any other uh, position that you played growing up other than cornerback? Oh, yeah. I was a safety and I was a wide receiver. I got changed to cornerback probably like my 11th grade or my 2th grade year. I was supposed to play, but, you know, I ain't made the grade. So my first time playing corner was actually in, in college. But I was a cornerback and a safety before then. Like I was most, I was getting recruited as a receiver before anything. I feel like you got to be really skilled to be a cornerback, yo. Because I feel like other than cornerback, quarterback is like the one of the hardest positions you got to play in football. Because right. you got to be on it twenty four seven. Action time. Yeah. It's really fun though. It, it really is fun. But my transition coming from corner to safety, I actually like corner because I actually get competition like literally every play. And it's actually fun just getting in the way of somebody trying to catch the ball. Seeing their reaction be the most funniest thing ever. So I kind of love it now. Y'all hear blocking blessings. Let, let, me, let, me, let me tell y'all this story, bro. I got to tell y'all this story about Nugget, bro. So when Nugget came first on the scene, mind you, we at Lackawanna, the, the season before he came, we just went undefeated. Like, you feel me? We had players. We had balls, right? We had a couple of dudes coming back, you know what I mean, that corner that, you know what I mean, was pretty good. And he walked through the door, you know what I mean? We ain't never, we didn't really know who he was, you know what I mean? Like, he ain't, you know, he came saying, I'm the best. Like, for real. Like, I'm the best. Like, I'm about to take everybody's spot. Like, you know what I mean? And we was just, we were mm. just looking at him like, you know what I mean? Like, to be honest, we didn't think he was no good because we all heard that before. In Juco and Lackawanna, you hear people come through yeah, the door. You hear a lot of that. You hear that a lot of that every day. That's like nothing new. So we was just looking at him, you know what I mean? And. After the first couple of practice, people say, now nah, this dude can go. Like, you know what I mean? Bro, bro, tough. Like, you feel me? Just, you know what I mean? Just watching it pan out, man. It's crazy, like, how it worked out, bro. Like, he's really he's really a killer, man. I appreciate that, big brother. Tip my hat off to him, bro. He's a killer. I appreciate something. that, bitch. So, hold on. What was your – so, when you got there, what kind of reception was you expecting? I mean, when I got there, I really didn't know what to expect, to be honest. Because I ain't never been that far away from home. I ain't never been around these coaches. I, I ain't even meet none of the players before then. So, I was just going in there as an open book. I ain't know what to expect. I was just rolling with the punches. Right. I hear that. So, um, when you said being far away from home, what was the hardest thing to adjust to? I mean, it really wasn't hard for me to adjust. I had fun adjusting. i say probably the hardest thing I had to deal with was time management, for real, for real, because... Our coach, he kind of planned out our whole day. Like, our everyday routine was literally our everyday routine. Our Monday was, like, our Wednesday. Our Friday was, like, our Tuesday. So, they just planned out the day. But the hardest thing to do was, like, just manage schoolwork and practice all at the same time and trying to have your own personal space all at the same time. That was just about it. The hardest part for me to adjust to was, you know, my time management. But it didn't, t- it didn't really take me too long to adjust. But i say that was my main issue at first. No, I feel that. Hey, bro, can you tell us about your first time uh, talking to Deion Sanders, uh, what he instilled in you, and how do you feel like it will pack you on and off the field for real? Oh, yeah, of course. My first time talking to Deion was, you know, after he was able to legally call people. So my first conversation with him, it went a little something like he told me about how he felt as me as a player. He told me he liked my physicality, my speed. He told me that he see a little bit of himself in me, and, you know, he just wanted to be a part of changing my life. He just gave me the opportunity and he told me he's a real genuine person. So we just started building relationships from there. 
So like after every phone call, he'll instill like a little piece of advice. You know, he'll tell me to keep working every day. You know, don't give up. You know, we'll we'll help get him to lead and things like that. He just kept on saying, put my trust in him and he's gonna get me there. Crazy. Bro, that's huge that, that he said that he sees him and you, bro. Like yeah, he's one of the greats, the greatest one of the goats that have ever ever played the position of cornerback. And for him to say that, it says a lot about you, bro. And I've seen the highlights. Yeah. And that says a lot, bro, because you you're a really great player for real, bro. Bro, it's Deion Sanders. <laughs> I appreciate that. Like, I know people be saying that it really ain't hit me yet. I don't know what it is. It just didn't hit me yet. But I, I be I be pressed a little bit though. But I just can't show that to everybody. But I be, <laughs> <pressed. laughs> I be pressed, but I just be trying to chill out this and try to make it seem like I'm cool and laid back. But for real, for real, I be jumping from wall to wall on that side. Like son, it's Deion's. Yeah, facts. Facts. You, you gotta get you a gold choker now, bro. Nah, I like silver, man. I ain't, I ain't no. Ah. <laughs> I don't know. I wear a lot of bright colors. I like to shine a little bit. I can't even lie to you. I ain't mad at you, bro. I ain't mad at you. Uh, so God, God obviously has His hand over your life, which is a great thing. So, can you talk about your relationship with God and how important that is to you and your success? Oh, yeah, I can. I mean, most people don't know I really am a religious person. I probably don't seem like it, but every night, I always pray before I go to sleep. Like, I say a nice little prayer before I go to sleep every night, and I talk to my grandmother who passed away as well. And I usually, you know, just thank, I thank God for the blessings he brought to my table and the opportunities they provided in front of me. And then I also leave with thanking my grandmother for giving me the strength that she had while she was down here. Because it's every time she... One thing she used to always embed into my head is no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And what I'm going to say about that is when I used to go through my deepest, darkest moments, that's when she used to always tell me that. And it was one time I was really depressed, going through some personal stuff. And she visited me, she visited me in my dreams. And she said the same little quote. And I just woke up and I just went harder from there. Bro, I really don't think people realize how significant grandparents are, bro. Like, I, I grew up. Um, underneath my grandma's wing, and I, if it wasn't for her, I know my life wouldn't have panned out the way that it is, bro. So I totally, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. It's like almost like, yeah, like your guardian my angel. My grandma, she always told me when things get tough, just open up your Bible and put your faith in God. That's right. And you know, every every little important quote she used to say to me, I got a tattoo on me. I got my guardian angel, and I got her favorite quote. So, bro, did your grandma keep... grandma used to drag you drag you to church when you was younger for a. Man, every Sunday. <laughs> it don't matter what time. It don't matter what time I go to sleep. I better be up at seven. Facts. That's facts, bro. That's not, I and mean, actually going to both services. Bro, not the double service. You going Man. to Sunday night church? Double service. And listen, bro, don't let you have company because they going to church they too. Church. <laughs> Y'all want to be at this house? We all in here. Ain't nobody there. Listen, bro. Bro, now, and, and to speak to your point about God, God allows us to go through things, and then He put us in a position to share these things with other people. So now you're going into a position to have a platform to be able to encourage all these people that's coming behind you, and to talk about your story and how you went through. X, Y, and Z, because we say this all the time on the podcast. Nobody goes through different stuff. Everybody goes through similar experiences as far as heartbreak, uh, depression, being discouraged. So to have God and your grandmother talking in your ear, that's a real blessing. It's amazing. 
Some and it's, it's definitely hold on to that one too. That moment and the moment you fell in love with football, and you'll be all right. And according to Dion, just put your trust in Dion. Facts. Facts. In Dion, we trust. Facts. In Dion, we trust. In Dion, we trust. So if you make that a T-shirt, just make sure you put at Save and Such on the bottom. And uh, we can really do that. And Dion, we trust. And Dion, we trust. <laughs> we made this up right now at eight forty-nine. It's like <laughs> only on the Save and Such podcast where you can find us on Google, Spotify, and Apple. And Dion, we trust. Man, we uh we appreciate you joining us tonight, bro. I appreciate you guys for having me. You know, I love to do it again. You ain't said nothing but a word to us, man. You want to give out your socials, your social media. Yes. My social media is Yo Day. If you can't find it, just type in Nugget Warren. You'll find it everywhere. <laughs> we seen you all over Twitter, bro. We seen you all over Twitter. I appreciate you, brother, for coming on, family. You already know we locked in for life, my boy. Of course. I appreciate you for having me. Can't wait to do it again, brother. All right, bro. Hey, man, we'll be praying for you uh, for the season, praying for your health, and pray that y'all have a good season, man. I appreciate it, guys. Love for life. Facts, right, man. Thank you, bro. We out, bro. You know, when I pray, I just got to allow me to do some eyes I've never seen, ears I've never heard, to lay a legacy of my own. You know, that's going to be remembered for generations to come after I'm gone. You know what I mean? And I think saved and such will be a part of my legacy. And I'm excited for, you know what I mean, what else guys will open for me. But, yeah, legacy is definitely key and important to talk about. That's amazing, bro. I definitely agree. Um Legacy will, I mean, saving and such would definitely be a part of our legacy. That's for for sure. Mm-hmm. I know with me having kids, them looking up to me, like legacy is huge because I, when I leave this earth, I'm working hard right now and grinding so I can leave something for them um, when they get older. So they won't have to work for, for another man. They can work for themselves. So right. I'm just locked in right now trying to create a big legacy for my family and just Legacy is huge. It definitely is. What does it mean to you, Cliff? That's facts, man. Legacy is the remnants of our lives that we leave behind. I know we 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 stress the point of leaving behind because it's literally what you leave behind. Facts. It's what your kids hear about you when you gone. It's what they see from you when they go when you gone, and what they remember about you when they're gone. And like Tariq said, uh, God is gonna move us to a point where our legacy is gonna be so much more than just who we are right now. You right. know what I'm saying? And like you said, the podcast is going to be a big part of our legacy because mm-hmm. we believe that God has his hand over this podcast Facts. and the people involved. And mm-hmm. therefore, it is going to bubble and it's going to ripple into other parts of our lives. And it's going to create an even bigger legacy, you know? Um, so for everybody that's listening, you, you don't live right in front of your face. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Because live for the day after and the day after that because that's just what is people going to say about you when you leave this place? Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Um, honestly, like, I know for me growing up, when I used to think about legacy, I always thought about money. Like, it's nah. me me leaving this earth and leaving my family with a bunch of money. But it's not about that. It's about how you carried yourself while you was on, on, on this earth, what you nice. left for your kids, your character traits, the characteristics that you left for your kids so they can be able to walk, not in your shadows, but in the same steps that you already laid out because you already laid out the foundation for them. That's facts. And yeah. we leave them this in order for them to grow it even bigger. Facts. All right. You know what I'm saying? Like I can look, I look at my son. I can see so much of myself in my son, mm-hmm. but I see so many better qualities that he has that I don't have. Exactly. So that's, that's, that's what it's about. And that's like my thing is, is just really just. Me, I didn't grow up with both parents in the household, so me seeing this with me and my my girlfriend, soon to be wife, 
like really being together and taking care of the kids. Well, I have two daughters taking care of both of our kids together as a big family. I didn't have that growing up. So they already are one up in me right now because I didn't have that. Facts, bro. So like me ha- being able to pro- provide that for them, like is big to me because like now my daughter is able to grow up and be like, I had both parents in the household. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's huge, man. That's facts. That's huge. That's facts. Uh, definitely going back to Nugget though, you know what I mean? What he did, the move he made, it was definitely powerful, especially in, um, you know what I mean? Just the summer, this past summer of like recognizing where we are as a country, not as in, as, not even as a country, but in the world. And him just deciding to, uh, attend the HBCU just, it, it changed a lot of things. It changed a lot of perspective. And, you know what I mean? With so many people congratulating him and, and recognizing that it was a definitely a lot of people that were, um, Definitely angry at his move. You know what I mean? If you looked at the comments and you just seen so many different people that were just talking down on him and his family and, you know what I mean? Hey, Nugget, when you see this, I mean, when you hear this, you know what I mean? Just know that the Sage and Such family, we're definitely rooting for you. Um, You know what I mean? We're definitely just, you know what I mean, praying for you as well. You and your family. Big facts. Facts. Um, You know what I mean? Like I said, you know what I mean? You're a part of this. You know what I mean? Just for you being on here. um. Your legacy will forever live, brother. I just want to say that. First guess. I know that was our first guess. First guess, man. And to to speak on Tariq's point about Nugget's legacy, he he not only changed his legacy, he mm-hmm. just changed his family legacy. Mm-hmm. And he changed the legacy of HBCUs. Changed it is hard culture. for HBCUs yeah. exactly mm-hmm. to recruit top athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I could I can't personally name one pro player that came from an HBCU. There's been a couple through the. Years. I know it's been some. Not not top. one one person comes to my head right now, right. but I know it's not been a couple, top. but I can't think of one. Uh, so him and along with other athletes is changing the culture, mm-hmm. like you said, and that's going to be their legacy. That's a, that's a that's the first step in building their legacy. That financial freedom he's going to be able to provide for his family is all playing a part into that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So that's it, y'all. So live your legacy. Live your live legacy. your legacy. That's a t-shirt. Write that down. You're going to make the t-shirt? And such. Have your face on the back? <laughs> anyway, um, we're, we're, we're on all major po- podcast platforms, Google, Spotify, you name it. We on it. So make sure y'all check us out on there. Uh, social media platforms, at Saved and Such, S-A-V-E-D-N-S-U-C-H. And y'all make sure y'all engage with us. Um, slide in the DMs, comment on our posts, share our posts. And we appreciate all the support. We love you guys. Thank you guys. And before we get out of here, we're praying. We're going to pray before we get out of here. So if you're listening, please pray with us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment, God. And thank you for bringing us here, God, to this point of our lives, God. Thank you for everything you put in us, God, and allowing us to give out through this podcast, God. Bless those ears that it touched, God, and that it touched the hearts and pierced the hearts and the minds of those that's listening, God. And like God, speak to our legacies, God. Let our, let our legacies be founded and rooted in your truth, God. And God, we ask you to touch everything that our voices cover, God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We out. We out.